The Miami Dolphins are prepped for their second matchup against the New York Jets. And instead of spending this Friday focused on a repeat opponent, we get the contract details from Austin Jackson's three-year contract extension. We're talking about the peaks that that gives into this Dolphins cap strategy moving forward here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Hi, Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Cal Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm going to give a tip of the cap to our everydayers because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. And today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, the Dolphins getting ready to face the Jets on Sunday. There's games on Saturday that are meaningful for the AFC wildcard race. And there's games uh, last night that were relevant for the Dolphins and their prior opponents. And the Dolphins now narrowly still holding the lead for most points scored in a single game this season. Chargers giving up 63 points to the Raiders last night. Uh, that's not really impactful on Miami. But what is impactful on Miami is this Austin, Con- Austin Jackson's contract extension. It was announced about a week ago. Uh, he got a three-year, $36 million contract. And, and Spot Track and Over the Cap both have acquired the kind of the, the financial breakdown of this three-year contract extension that includes the rest of this season. For Austin Jackson, our objective here is to look in detail. And if you're on the YouTube channel, you can find us on YouTube wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, we are going to be combing through uh, some of the actual specifics of this deal. So with that in mind, I'm going to tap into spot track and this Austin Jackson deal. Austin Jackson signs a three-year $36 million contract with the Miami Dolphins, including a $5 million signing bonus, $13 million in guarantees, and an annual average salary of $12 million. In 2023, Austin Jackson will earn a base pay of just over $2 million and a signing bonus of $5 million while carrying out a cap hit of $4.934 million. Some contract notes of importance here. The $13 million in guarantees in total out of this $36 million contract are the $5 million signing bonus, the new uh, influx on his 2023 salary, his entirety of his 2024 salary, and his 2024 option bonus. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because the way that the Dolphins structured this contract is fascinating to me. And I think it gives us some insight into what we can start to expect new contracts be it with players on the roster or added to the roster moving forward are going to look like. If you're on the YouTube channel, you'll see these years in 2027 and 2028. They're called void years. They are years in which there is a cap allocation from money that was previously paid out to a player, but that player is not under contract to play with the team in that season. What does all of that mean? Austin Jackson has new years in 2024, 2025, and 2026. If you look at the signing bonus that he was given, they gave him $5 million right now. 
That $5 million includes $1 million that was allocated for 2023, the other $1.8 million of his current cap charge that includes signing bonus goes all the way back to his rookie contract and the signing bonus that he got when he signed his rookie contract. That was prorated out across the four years. The team, of course, declined the fifth-year option. So $1.87 million times four, that was the total of his signing bonus that was evenly distributed across the four years of the rookie. So you add a million dollars to that because he got $5 million right now, and that is evenly spaced out across five years this year, the three new years of the deal, and then a voided year, $1 million to further reduce the cap charge in 2027. What the Dolphins also did here to circumvent their bottleneck in 2024, which I think is really interesting is the Dolphins took his 2024 salary and said, we're going to give you in cash $8.5 million effectively. You're going to get a minimum salary on a game check basis. You're going to get, for every game that you dress or that you're on the roster, you're going to get a bonus of $35,000. You can see that in the contract notes. Actually, my head's in the way, so you can't see that. For 2024 through 2026, the column that is roster and game bonus, per game active, he gets $35,000. So if he's active for the entire season, he would get $595,000 in incentives just for dressing on game. But the big influx in cash that Austin Jackson gets is he has an option bonus that is guaranteed in 2024. Why do you give an option bonus and not salary? because they bypassed the opportunity to restructure this contract. And they already said, we're going to take the $6.66 million bonus that you're getting in addition to your $1.1 million base salary in 2024. So that's cash. That's fully guaranteed. So too is the option or the bonus. They prorated it out just like you would a signing bonus. So he gets a $5 million influx this year spread out across five years. He gets a $6.6 million bonus next year that is automatically prorated out across the next five years, starting in 2024. So he's a cap hit of $4.9 million this year. He signs a three-year $36 million contract extension, and his salary cap hit for next year, 2024, is almost a million dollars less, $4 million. From a cap distribution perspective, Void years is the new fat across the league. And the Dolphins haven't done a ton of it. They've done it with Xavier Howard. They did it with Jerome Baker. They did it with Jalen Ramsey when they restructured his contract when they brought him into the fray. There's not a lot of players on this roster that have that. That is the next step. And you acknowledge the risk is if you get through 2026 and Austin Jackson is no longer on the roster, that extra money that you deferred out, you see they're currently booked for a 2027 dead cap hit of $3.6 million against the cap with Austin Jackson not under contract. If you were to re-sign him, it makes that more easily digestible because it's not a cap charge for a player that's not here. It's a, a a continued deferred cap charge for a player who continues to be on the roster. Sorry, I geek out about this kind of stuff if if you can't tell. (laughs) But to get the contract details, uh, it is really, really fascinating and to see Miami say, you know, 
three years, 36, we're really only going to guarantee you one year's worth. And you're going to get half of that one year's worth right here and now. There's no guaranteed money on this contract beyond 2025 other than the money that they'll have paid out through in 2023 and 2024 that you spread out as a cap distribution strategy. So if things go bad, about to hop back on the horse, you could trade Austin Jackson in 2025 before the 2025 season starts and save $5.5 million against the 13.8 that he's scheduled and the 8.3 dead cap that you would take as a result is the remainder of the signing bonus and the roster bonus that were paid out in 2023-2024. It's a risk, a risk-reward scenario. I think the bigger risk with this contract, actually, we'll, we'll talk about the bigger risk with this contract up next year on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. So I want you to go ahead and stick with us. These days, every potential hire feels like a high stakes wager for you and your small business. That's why you want as many top tier candidates to interview as possible. And that's why you want to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster. And for free, LinkedIn is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats that the hiring process can be tedious and you may not have all the resources you need. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even launched a feature that writes job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker than before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That is linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, you apply. The bigger risk with this contract for me does not lie with the Dolphins uh, because the guaranteed money, the guaranteed salary, is sheddable after next season already. Uh, there, this is kind of a hedge for Miami. They declined a $14 million fifth-year fully guaranteed contract for him. What's interesting is in declining the $14.1 million option for 2024, which they did this spring before he was able to put together the season that he has, They've given out a contract that is more than $1 million less in guaranteed money. Now, there's more earnable and more achievable dollars, but he got $13 million guaranteed, which is the roster bonus for next year and the signing bonus that he gets now. So you saved about a $1 million, and it is the equivalent of taking that $14 million cap charge for 2024 and effectively dividing it in half and then prorating it out, which you cannot do with a fifth-year option. It was a good contract. <laughs> the risk in my mind is for Austin Jackson. If he continues to grow and excel, we're going to get through next season. And the expectation for Austin Jackson is I've outperformed my contract. He plays a premium position. He plays the blindside protector on this Dolphins offensive line. This, of course, this offensive line is, as everybody's going to remind me, needs work this offseason. Rob Hunt's injured. Connor Williams is injured. Isaiah Wynn's injured. Toronto Armstead's injured. Uh, so you, you're, you're really. Um, Testing the, the limits of your depth with this offensive line. But Austin Jackson has been, to this point, the steady hand and arguably the most consistent performer because he's always been out. There's an incredible transformation in one season. So Miami 
hedges against the fifth year option and ends up spending less money, divides it across two checks, and then gets a chance to prorate that out across effectively six seasons to minimize the impact. And then they say, okay, if things go well, you then have a two-year $23 million contract from 2025 and 2026 when you're 26 and 27 years old. And theoretically in the prime of your career, we get to sign a new contract extension if things are still working. The biggest risk in my mind is Austin Jackson outperforms his contract and he regrets signing the deal. And I hope that's the case because the Dolphins have, have had a pretty good history as they did with Xavier Howard of treating those guys fairly when the time comes. As far as dominoes for Miami, the, the, the best thing about this deal is we've talked about this in the past. Miami's cap situation opens up significantly after the 2024 season. The, the big hurdle, and they have the levers to pull. They can restructure Tyreek Hill. They can restructure Bradley Chubb. They can restructure Jalen Ramsey. You can have the conversation about, do we want to restructure? Do we want to negotiate? Do we want to trade or cut Xavier Howard? You can have the conversation about what you're doing with the Toronto Armstead contract, and if that's a post-June 1st designation to save you some salary cap space that you could then, in theory, carry over to 2025 and help buy even more cap space. Do you give Tua Tungvalu below the contract extension and not let him play on the fifth-year option, which is currently set at about $24 million for him? If that's the case, all those levers being pulled, and then do you move on from Emmanuel Ogba? Do you restructure? I would. I, I think Jerome Baker's heard in the conversation about an extension versus him being a, a piece that you move away from. All of those elements for 2024, to get Austin Jackson the tackle at a premium position back on the books for $4 million in cap, And everything after that is easily digestible and not something restrictive that you can't work your way out of if you need to uh, move money around or, or manipulate the salary cap even further. That's the big win for the Dolphins with this is from a Domino's perspective, a $4 million cap charge is nothing. Now, there's no levers left to pull with this contract, and that's okay. They, they pulled the levers now knowing what they need. And they use this season to collect more information on the player before making the commitment and then structured it in a way that it's next to zero negative impact on what you need to accomplish this offseason to retain as much of the core of the team as you can. And then the cap hits open up where he's 13.8 in 2025 and 2026 is the cap charge for Austin Jackson. I guarantee you at that point, they're out of the Toronto Arsenal contract. So Domino's perspective, not restrictive in any way. Uh, and I think you foil that against like the the Zach Sealer contract extension that was given out at the beginning of the season, and it's even more friendly than that. Oh, Sealer, we thought the Sealer contract was a good deal, but his cap charge in 2024 is 10.6 million dollars. He just got this extension at the beginning of the year, three years, 30 million dollars, with 17 million dollars in guarantees. He had an average salary of 10.25. His cap charge this year was minimal. He got the signing bonus on top of a salary. Uh, so he got $9.1 million in cash this year, and the cap hits 3.3. They didn't put any void years on the back end of this deal, but what they do have is they do have an $8 million base salary that they could convert to a signing bonus or a roster bonus if they wanted to and kick that out across three or four seasons 
and they could take four or five million dollars off that cap charge if they wanted to. So you could just restructure Zach Sealer and open up the space that you've now committed the four million dollars to Austin Jackson's contract, and you could eat that up with the Zach Sealer restructure. Of course, you do this across the entirety of, of the team, and things do get muddy. There's a lot of layers to peel back. But as long as you understand how the cap works and the mechanics of contracts works, you don't have to be intimidated by it. And I certainly don't think it's prohibitive to anything that the Dolphins are doing when you're getting Austin Jackson back on the books with the level of play that he's given you at the rate that you got. And Zach Sealer has been just about everything you hope he could be with that contract extension as well. There's more pieces that they'll have to make decisions on, and we'll cross those bridges when we get there. But that's the number one thing that stands out to me in finally getting a hold of the details of this Austin Jackson contract. It's a friendly situation for a team that needed a few friendly extensions. You got one. That's a big win to helping the cause and bringing back as many of the players as you possibly can. And just like there's a Bradley Chubb contract that you look at the Jalen Phillips contract extension looming down the road and you say, we may have to transition out of one of these to, to get the next one on the books. Or you have uh, a Javon Holland contract that you know at some point you're going to have to pay out. And that transition at some point will probably come and you'll have to transition away from either the Xavier Howard or Jalen Ramsey contract. You look at that transition. And I think you can look at Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson, and that can now be a, a similar succession plan at a premium position for the Dolphins. That's the cap down. We're going to talk about the uh, Week 15 update. Mike McDaniel gave us some injury updates for the Dolphins ahead of the Jets game up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com slash locked on and get on your way to feeling your best self. The holidays can be stressful. Whether or not your family does gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easy on yourself in the tough moments, or treating yourself to a complete day of rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. So Mike McDaniel's update uh, ahead of Friday practice was about what you expected. Uh, he alluded to Rob Hunt earlier in this week as week to week. He's going to stay week to week and he's not playing. Uh, Rob Hunt's been ruled out for uh, Sunday against the Jets. And you can take that in stride because you kind of had your head wrapped around it the entirety of the week. The only other player that was definitively ruled out was Deshaun Elliott, uh, who's in concussion protocol. If you get Javon Holland back, I can take the absence of Deshaun Elliott against the Jets totally in stride. So the hope, the objective is Javon Holland returns to ensure your communication on the back end of your defense is taut and tight. Tyreek Hill will not practice on Friday, but he is questionable for the game. Uh, the Dolphins did this last year at times with Teron Armstead. 
Uh, I'm my inclination based on Tyreek Hill and his own messaging and him, his aspirations, uh, the impact that he can have for the team. He may not get the volume that he normally gets. I would guess he plays, and I guess he would play on a snap count. If anything else, force the Jets to game plan for the, the scenario of Tyreek Hill and dress him and just kind of have that extra attention. It's a no-brainer in my mind, whether he's 100% or 70%. And unfortunately for Tyreek, uh, he's been dealing with lower body stuff of the last month, it feels like. Hopefully, he can work his way through this and, and he can be as good of a version of himself as he can be against Dallas and Baltimore Buffalo. Uh, Lee Meikenberg, I know it was reported that he, he was in a walking boot. I had heard that myself. Um, not overreacting too much to it. It does sound as though he's a little banged up. I believe it's calf he's on the injury report with. I would guess he doesn't play. That would be my guess. I have no intel there. That's just kind of my inclination based on how the Dolphins have handled injuries all season long. The fact that he was in a boot, and I know that can be preventative. That's not necessarily indicative of anything that's seriously injured. It can be preventative from you re-aggravating an injury or putting too much strain or stress on a lower body issue. Uh, but I would guess of the guys that are banged up, I would guess Javon Holland plays. I would guess Teron Armstead plays. I, I think Teron's going to have to play. If you look at the offensive line situation, there's a couple different permutations of offensive line that they could roll out there. If Teron Armstead plays and dresses, you could dress Teron Armstead and have Kendall Lamb. Potentially, this could be the week where you're forced to put him in at guard and then hypothetically have Lester Cotton snap and then Rob Jones at right guard and Austin Jackson at right tackle. If Teron Armstead can't go, it's potentially Kendall Lamb. And then the guards are Cotton and uh, Rob Jones. I would assume Jonathan Harrison, who they put on the 53, would then be the starter at center, fresh off the boat. Frank Smith says they've done that before. I'm a little leery about what that looks like, but he's a natural center, so snap issues should be minimal if that's the case. It's more communication and, and timing of the offense, so you, you may see a little difference in um, how they handle motions and to a tongue of a low, maybe a little bit more responsible from a protection standpoint. I, I do think it runs the risk of watering you down a little bit. So the scare is if you get so watered down there and then watered down if Tyreek Hill can't go, what does that look like? I think you're going to have to win ugly in this game. I know we said it on the crossover with the Jets yesterday with John Butchko. Um, I do expect the Dolphins to win. Uh, I think if Mike McDaniel is the coach and the play caller that we think that he is, if Tua Tagovailoa is the quarterback that we think that he is, this Dolphins team playing at home, They've talked about the lessons that they've learned from last season, and boy, oh boy, did they learn a tough lesson about taking their foot off the gas on Monday night. You look at the Raiders. I think the Raiders are a great example. They played on Thursday night last week. They scored zero points against the Vikings. Zero. Zero. They came out and scored 63 against the Chargers. Now, yeah, you had two defensive touchdowns in the second half there. You poured the gas on the fire. But nevertheless, that was a team that was chomping at the bit to get back out there and play another football game. I think this Dolphins team will react and respond the same way. I don't know that it will always be pretty because of some of the limitations for guys that you have at your disposal, especially against a physical and fast Jets defense. But I do expect them to win the game. If you told me it was 20-10, to 10, 
I wouldn't bat an eye. 20 to 12, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'm not reading too much into the Jets scoring 30 points in the second half of that game against the Texans last week in the cold rain at MetLife either. You want to know what a young team looks like that hasn't learned that lesson? Go watch the Houston Texans in the entirety of that football game. Talk about a team that looked like they didn't want to be there at a certain point. They were like, dang, they didn't lay down. Dang, it's cold. Dang, it's wet. Dang, C.J. Stroud got knocked out of the game. Let's get the heck out of here and head home. That's the vibe the Texans put off as a young team that hadn't learned the lessons that the Dolphins team supposedly learned last year. As far as the uh, rest of the game schedule and implications for the Dolphins, breaking news, Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco are out. That tells you what time I'm recording. It's right around noon. Uh, there's a lot of interesting layers, and it depends on what your confidence level is moving forward uh, for the Dolphins. We're obviously rooting for the Dallas Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills. That is a 425 kick on Sunday. So the Dolphins will be done. We'll know whether they've won or not. Uh, if you are hoping for the Dolphins to secure this division as soon as possible, the pathway is beat the Jets, Cowboys beat the Bills, Dolphins beat the Cowboys next week. It doesn't matter what Buffalo does the rest of the way. That would clinch the Dolphins the division. That's the tough pill to swallow about blowing the game that you did because if Dallas beats the Bills, you beat the Jets, that 14-point touchdown, a 14-point lead that you blew on Monday night is the difference between you clinching the division this week or not. But I promise, just like I, I made a vow at one point to stop talking about 70 to 20, we ain't talking about 28-27 it's done. It is what it is. You're going to have to win two more football games to win this division, period. Okay, there's no coasting. We don't want this Dolphins team to coast anyway. I know Dolphins fans are predisposed to this team falling off the bandwagon and falling apart late. I am going to choose, based on the belief that we have had all season in the process of this team, that it's not going to be the same. So needless to say, we're rooting for the uh, Bills to lose, and then we're rooting for the Dolphins to win. Beyond that, if you believe the Dolphins are going to close out the division, then you want to root for teams like Cleveland against the Bears. That's a Sunday game. You're going to want to root for the Broncos against the Lions. That's a Saturday game. You're going to want to root for the Bengals against the Vikings. Those are AFC teams in the wild card race versus NFC teams in the playoff hunt. You want the AFC to clean sweep if you think the Bills are going to lose and it's going to keep the Bills out of the playoffs. If you don't care about that and you just want the division, then whatever else doesn't matter. But I would say this, the thing to watch is if the Bills run the table and Miami drops one of the game, the Bills would then, in theory, win the division, right? Bills would be 11-6 if they run the table. Miami, if they dropped two including one to the Bills and one other one, they would be 11-6 and six as well, but lose the head-to-head -head tiebreaker because they'd have lost both games against the Bills. You're fine if you go 2-2. Two and two. If you do go 1-3, and three, if you do finish 10-7, and seven, you're going to be worried about rooting for some of these wildcard teams to win a bunch of games, being focused about the Bills staying off if you don't take care of your own business. Because then that crowded field all of a sudden might be for you. I'm going to like to believe that the Dolphins are going to take care of their own business, that they're going to win a couple games here down the stretch, uh, be it Dallas, be it Buffalo, be it Baltimore, 
I do think they win against the Jets at home on Sunday, particularly off the loss that they had and that Jets team uh, scoring 30 points in the second half the way that they did. Uh, you, I think you, you have to believe that Zach Wilson's not going to string together two performances of the caliber that he put together against the Jets or against the Texans. So, uh, other relevant wild card race games, Pittsburgh versus Indianapolis. Those are two seven and six teams playing each other. One of them will go to seven, seven, one of them will go to eight, six, uh, Baltimore against Jacksonville. Uh, if your big picture aspirations include more wins for the Dolphins, you're rooting for the Jaguars with the hope that it would pull the Dolphins back into the first seeding uh, with three weeks left to play in the AFC Conference. The Texans play the Titans. Uh, Titans at five and eight, probably on the outside looking in. CJ Stroud looking like he's not going to play. So that's a wild card team that may be falling to seven and seven regardless. And we've already mentioned the Browns, the Bengals, and the Broncos playing NFC opponents. So there's your look at the, the big picture 30,000-foot view of the AFC Conference. There's your look at the Austin Jackson contract in its totality. There's your look at the Dolphins that we expect to and to not play against the New York Jets on Sunday against the Dolphins. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. We'll be back after the Jets game to break down everything that happened. So make sure you check us out on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Kyle Krabs, thanks for listening.